looking. Deep pattern. Downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw. Devontae Parker. Holy smokes. What a drive. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, each and every day, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, that's a wrap from Chicago, at least as far as the practices are concerned. A competitive, at times chippy day, produced plenty of good results in all areas. We'll tell you about the wins, some of the losses, where the team sits heading into their first preseason game in two years, give you the matchup of the day, the top performers, hear from Coach and Solomon Kinley, and give you all the practice notes from Chicago. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And before we go forward today on the Drive Time Podcast presented by AutoNation, I wanted to go ahead and cover Coach's media from today, which covered something I thought was important to get to today because of the opportunity the back-and-forth type of practice on Wednesday provided the football team. And for those that didn't hear, Wednesday's practice saw a change of course a couple of times with going outside, then back inside, and then finally back outside once more. So I asked Coach on Thursday morning, how valuable was that given that football to me at least, is essentially a contest of overcoming adversity. Let's go to coach. I thought it was great for us. I mean, I, we get lightning in a game, we got to go in, we got to wait until it passes, and then we come back out. So uh, another rep at that, but for us as a team, as coaches, how we would handle that. We came in here, we huddled up, hey, we're going to do this when we go back out. Another delay, hey, we're gonna, we got to wait a little bit, we got to stretch them this long, we got to stretch them a little longer, we got to do some individuals. And then I thought we went out and had good energy, good juice, and, and uh, you know, finished practice out. So I think it's a good rep for us. I mean, you guys all know we're in South Florida. There's sometimes delays, and we got to be we have to be ready to adjust, be flexible, and, you know, still perform. 2018 opener against the Tennessee Titans, the longest game in National Football League history. Last year, week two against the Buffalo Bills, a lightning delay as well, or thunder delay in that game as well. I can't remember. Either one. Thunder, lightning, it's all the same to me. But it wasn't just the adversity they dealt with. It was working to make corrections, to get the film, dissect it, get it corrected, and go out there and apply those lessons on the practice field. And for this question at the press conference, Coach was asked specifically about how the defensive line performed but it gave him an opportunity to talk about going from day one to day two and making the corrections overnight and just kind of the process of training camp where you put the film on, take a look at things, make corrections, and try to get better the next day. Here's Coach. I mean, I thought they, you know, did some good things. Uh, you know, I think, you know, in this type of environment, it always comes down to fundamentals and techniques. Um, in some instances, they were good. In some instances, they weren't good. And uh, the, the the results normally, you know, play out as as – you, you think they would when they're good, when, conversely, when they're not good. So, um, you know, we made a lot of corrections yesterday. Um, hopefully we'll have another good day today, you know. And, then again, it's good to, uh, you know, see a different opponent, different schemes, different skill sets from the receivers, from the alignment, from the tight ends. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's good for us. I mean, we, we need that. I mean, that's what it is in this league. It's different every week. And you heard Coach there say, hopefully we have another good day. So if Coach thinks there was a good day of practice, 
I tend to agree with him. So he also updated us there that there would be no Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, or Will Fuller. Liam Eikenberg was also out. He was dressed and warmed up, but he did not participate in anything beyond stretching and warming up and going through some of the individual stuff in the beginning of practice. Coach told us he would be held out after he was nicked up in Wednesday's practice against the Chicago Bears. And he also touched on the ramp up of players coming back from those injuries regarding Jalen Phillips, for instance. He said, that they were not going to take a guy up to 70 snaps on his first day back. So it's about working Phillips back in, or a guy like Mike Gesicki, for instance, who just returned back from the COVID list, a different different idea than injuries, but getting a guy to get his legs back under him. And we saw plenty of that today with Mike Gesicki. More on that later. And Vince Beagle did not practice today. Neither did Brandon Jones or Derval Kierez Neto. Coach also praised the attention to detail of safety Javon Holland and what he's shown. A smart kid who drills the technique and fundamentals as coach loves to go back to, but also wants to let us know it's not just about the four or five plays that everybody sees that goes into the stat sheet. He's played, Javon, 500 snaps, give or take, so far in camp so far. And the four or five plays, good or bad, because we'll come back to that later in the podcast, good or bad, are not the ultimate deciding factor of what that player ultimately is. He talked about it last year with Xavier Howard or Emmanuel Ogba, how it's not about the nine sacks or the 10 picks. It's about the 1,000 snaps a starter at cornerback plays or the 700 to 800 snaps a defensive end will play. And he's mentioned that a lot over the last two seasons, and I'm glad that he does because, well, I hope he sinks in, that it sinks in rather, because he's absolutely right. And for whatever reason, I don't always see it sinking in across all platforms. Finally, these joint practices are always going to inherently come with a bit of chippiness, and that's the product of competition, right? So yesterday, when there was a very minimal skirmish, we'll call it, between Alan Hearns and Tease Tabor after a hit in the defensive secondary, Flo got out there to help break things up, and he jokingly said at his press conference today that he was playing the role of bouncer on that play. And to finish up my notes before practice here, the last audio I was going to play for you guys was Flo talking about seeing different schemes and players and different types of pass rush moves. But he covered that in the previous answer I played. I didn't think of that before the show. But he talked about seeing different moves. I thought that was very valuable. Like, for instance, in the one-on-one drills on the offensive line where the Bears guys would throw something at a guy and they would beat him. And then they'd come back and have to adjust and show progression against the move or the possible counter to that move. I just think these practices are so valuable. We get to do it again next week against the Atlanta Falcons too. So I think that taking advantage of not just OTAs and being back on the field. You heard coach talk about 500 snaps for Javon Holland. He'll see, you know, at least 500 more practice snaps going forward as well as some practice, some game reps and preseason games and the joint practices in addition to the training camp and the OTAs to go against the Falcons two days, the Bears two days, and to have those three games I think when you put that together with a coaching staff that harps these things, the fundamentals, the techniques, the things that take no talent, but also ultimately drive success of a football team. And I think those are the types of things that have allowed the Dolphins to play above their head as far as what the projection was the last couple of years, right? Back in 2019, the projections did not say five wins for that football team. And I know coach won't say that five was good enough, but that was not what was expected of that team. Last year, I believe for most accounts, it was between seven and eight wins for that club. They go out and win 10 games last year. So I think that's the reason why this team's insistent on the fundamentals, the technique, the execution of those things. I think that's why they're capable of winning more games than people typically think they will as far as the public goes, the national media goes, whatever it might be. And I think that 
the addition of those things we didn't have last year in a offseason shortened by a global pandemic, I think that's going to play in the Dolphins' advantage this year and going forward. All right, let's go ahead and jump right in today. I was right at the 50-yard line on the far field where the Dolphins' offense was working defense on the far field on the opposite side of the practice facility. Yesterday, I was in the end zone, so some good vantage points scattered about the gorgeous facilities out here at Lake Forest. In fact, one of my favorite parts of the day was a Dolphins fan and his son coming up next to me, looking out over the back of the bleachers into that forestry area I talked about with the train tracks and the railroad, and something, or he said something to himself kind of in earshot of me, but also talking to himself, look at this romantic setting. And I was like, hey, he's talking about me. So I great to meet a fan of the team and the podcast and your son as well. Tyler, great to meet you guys uh, before practice there. On that note, as a matter of fact, I saw so many aqua jerseys the last couple of days and not just among the few Dolphins contingencies or families that I saw there in, in attendance. There were so many Bears families where there was one kid in the group and it was like little Travis back when he was 12 years old. Rocking the number one to a Tonga Vailoa jersey. Me with the number 13 Dan Marino jersey. Love, love seeing that. And then finally, I met a great family from the area here in Chicago. And it was a father, daughter, and the grandparents. And the little girl was just the most adorable thing I had ever seen in my life. Besides my little girl, of course. So we got to talking about girl dad life and just seeing the grandfather's face light up every time she did something right in the feels, man. Made me miss the hell out of little Caroline. Daddy's coming home in three days, little girl. Hang tight. All right, enough with the onion chopping. Let's talk some football. I want to start today off with the backs and offensive line because the run game got it going today. In fact, the offensive line as a whole had a terrific day in my eyes. They were back-to-back periods, one from the 30 or 35. I always forget. Typically, the 11-on-11 field stuff is run anywhere between the minus 30 and 40 yard line. And when you hear me say minus or plus, minus means you're on your own side of the field, plus means you're on the opposite side of the field going into the end zone. So just keep that in mind for future reference as far as verbiage goes. But the Dolphins opened up gap after gap in that first period and then could not be held out of the end zone except on a couple of occasions in that red zone period. First, the run game. And let's, you know what? Let's go back to the running backs first. I was watching them in the pass protection drills And the appreciation I have for Miles Gaskin grows every single time I affix my eyes in his direction. First, I just love what he's all about. He communicates the level of professionalism that he presents on the football field. He does that in his press conferences. You get a better feel for how he works and how his mind works when he talks to us. And then just the workman-like mentality he has on the football field. They were going through pass protection reps. Let me go ahead and just set the scene for you here real quick. So the same pads I talked about the offensive line using yesterday, the back gets into a pass set and one of his teammates, a fellow running back, will grab that pad and rush in and the back has to prevent that momentum from continuing. How do you do this? Well, it starts with the base, right? That's all of sports, the the base, the footwork. That's where everything starts, whether it's a baseball swing, a golf swing and basketball, everything starts with the base. And Miles gets into the crouch, steps up with the hands and feet at the same time. That's so important. Don't lunge and then throw the hands because then you lose your power from the base. But he throws it all together at the same time, like I talked about yesterday with Derval Kieras Neto, and fires it upward and explodes up through the block into the pad to square that thing up perfectly. And then he carried this over into the team periods of practice. He checks all the parts of a three down back. And I think it's pretty clear that his experience and his skill set and what he is to this football team fits anything you want to do. And you cannot measure the value that he presents because of that. 
He had some nifty runs today also to take advantage of those big lanes created by the offensive line. And we can't know this without going inside the mind of Miles, obviously, but it looked to me like he was setting up some of those blocks to really help his guys get in the right position to create space. I mean, sometimes the running back can be just as responsible for a good block as a lineman because he puts you in the space where he gets behind you and your man, and that makes it easier to block, right? Because you're squared up. And once again, he caught a bunch of passes, and he does it on a variety of routes. You go back to his UW career, he started... He just started good there and got better every single year. It took until the end of his rookie season here to really get cranking. That Bengals game, he had some production. The Giants game, I think, too, maybe. Then he enjoys what is, by all accounts, a breakout year in year two. And I think it would have gotten recognition as such if he had played all 16 games. And I think he looks a step faster this year. So who knows what will happen in year three for Miles Gaskin. I'm very excited about his prospects. And it was a day for the backs in general. Savon Ahmed continues to show that speed as there aren't many guys that can win the foot race to the corner against him, he's just super fast. Then he is showing real strides as a pass receiver, catching balls over the middle, out wide, whatever you want him to do in the passing game, he's contributing that way as well. Jared Dokes, speaking of the pass pro drill, you could hear the bag popping every time he took a rep. He also showed some more strong runs and tight quarters today. He always pushes the pile forward. Speaking of pushing the pile forward, the back of the day was Malcolm Brown. And what a welcome sight to see him have sort of a, a breakthrough performance of sorts. I don't know how many touchdowns he scored today, but it was a lot. At one point, he broke out the Connor McGregor walk because he powered through a stacked up pile of bodies into the end zone. The ref come running in, the refs come running in with their hands up over their heads, and he breaks out the McGregor walk, and he deserved it because it was probably, not even joking, guys, like his fifth or sixth touchdown in the day. And most of them came from the goal line period, obviously, but he also scored two runs in the red zone, one a 15-yard run untouched, and another run from the 10-yard line into the end zone through a couple arm tackles. Both those lanes were cleared, in behind Solomon Kinley, who stepped in for Liam Eichenberg, who missed practice today and had what I thought Solomon, his best day of camp so far. He had a media session with us after practice and touched on blocking for Malcolm Brown, his position on the team. But I thought the best part of his media, which is always a treat for us, was when he was asked about what he's looking forward to most about his first preseason game of his career. And he said it's been so long since they've played a game of any kind that he's excited to be able to be on TV so his mama can watch him play. Perfect answer, Solomon. He was also asked about the message Tua Tungavailoa has given the line this camp and this offseason, and he said Tua just tells us that he loves us, that we're family and he loves us, and that's all we need. Kind of a kumbaya moment there. Very cool from Solomon Kinley. And to wrap up his media before we get back to the football, I asked him about the run game and how much fun it was to have success in that area today. And he said what we all know, every lineman loves to run the football. So I followed up and asked him what contributed to the success of the running game today. Here's Solomon. Yeah, no doubt. Offensive line love running. We, we love running the football. So, yeah, that was that was good. Uh, you know, just grit. Grit, anger, you know, giving effort. That's all the offensive linemen need. Grit, anger, and effort. That's definitely what Solomon excels in. He was clearing some paths that, that way and just blowing guys off the football. And if we can get those big dudes up front leaning on people like they did today, with all the speed on the outside, the proficient nature of Tua in the quick game with the ball handling, the footwork, the RPO action, all of that, that can be a perfect complement to what this offense wants to be. Big day from Solomon Kinley. I thought Jackson, Dieter, Hunt, and Davis all had good days too. The entire offensive line was good today. It was just one of those days. It's just one of those days for the offensive line. The protection was mostly good. Now in the first period, the passing offense was a little bit stuck in neutral and some pressure was the main culprit of that. But after those big runs, they carried the work over into the red zone 
and started creating some nice pockets. I thought Jackson and Hunt were big winners on day two, in the two days really, actually, I should say. And Davis had more good matchups with Khalil Mack. Now you're not going to win all those matchups because, well, he's Khalil Mack. But we also saw him get some surge in the running game as well. He and Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe and, and had some good blocks off the edge. But he also, with Rob Hunt, had some awesome combo blocks. And Hunt continues to get to that second level with a lot of success. And then Dieter, he was in there on a few of those big runs we talked about. He helped push some piles in short yardage, showing that power I talked about in the podcast. Again, really encouraging from the group up front. And among the second group of offensive linemen, I thought Pinky had a really good day. And this was a carryover from what I thought was a good camp last year and then good work as the extra offensive lineman into the game and heavy personnel last season and then some good work when he was pressed into duty at tackle as well after injuries. Also, Matt Skura and Cameron Tom. Tom was getting some good push on some of those Dokes touchdown runs. And Sakura, Sakura, Matt Skura, not Tom Sakura, one of my favorite comics, had one rep that I particularly loved where he had to get outside and seal a man to open a gap on a reach block and showed some of the athletic ability to get out in space, turn it, seal that thing off, and he did it. So that was good to see. And then Robert Jones also got some run game surge. Want to go ahead and make sure to mention that because I put it in my notes. Didn't have anything else in him, but he was getting some push in the running game. How about the quarterbacks? Thought this was probably Jacoby Brissett's best day of training camp. He launched one deep to Kai Loxley, who made a great diving catch in the one-on-ones, but he was decisive, put the ball on target, and moved the offense a bunch, including his own touchdown barrage in the red zone work. He had a nice little touchdown flip to Chris Myrick as he moved outside, and, and Myrick was kind of chasing him to the pylon. He flips that thing to Myrick for a touchdown, and I have no idea how many balls today or in camp he's completed to Isaiah Ford, but it's a ton. Ford made a big play on a 50-50 ball in one-on-ones and caught a couple of quick hitters too. The Dolphins' operation on those plays where the quarterback catches the snap, rocks, and throws, just quick operation, it's sharp. Bang, bang, bang between Tua and Brissett. And finally, he had one of the throws of the day where he found Robert Foster for a tough contested catch, but Jacoby stood in the pocket with good protection, but coverage made things get tight and dicey at the end, and he stood in there in the face of pressure in a slowly collapsing pocket and delivered a strike. Now, where the Bears got him was 7-on-7. That was a tough period for the Dolphins' second-team offense, but they would pick it back up in the next period. As for Tua, I just want to speak to the body of work for him this camp because I know you guys are inundated with tweets and reports and all this stuff, not just from me, but everybody on the beat every single day, every single pass. It can be exhausting, but the body of work, when you consider all of the things together. I covered it in the 5 Takeaways podcast back on Monday, but... The mechanics. I was watching him today in Indies, the individual drills, where the quarterbacks kind of dummy the mesh point and ride the back on the zone read RPO look, pull that thing out, zip and fire it. And that, the way he can get into the threatening positions, that's to me where he's special. Now, there are other areas, accuracy, twitch, the top of the drop, but all of this coincides with that skill set. The skill set to go from, like, let's use a basketball analogy here. You're dribbling at the point the top of the circle, standing straight up, slowly bouncing the ball. Maybe you're looking at the coach on the sideline. You're not in a position to threaten anybody. The defender is not concerned about the shot, a dribble drive, or even a pass. You're in this lackadaisical posture and, and stance. And not that Tua, to say he's ever lackadaisical by any stretch, but when he's still getting to the back foot of his drop, when he's riding the mesh point, when he's on the move and not in position to throw the ball because he's on a boot or a roll, the speed from which he gets from that position to where he's not in position to throw the football to getting it out is really quite remarkable to me. In fact, the Bears family I referenced earlier in the podcast, one of my favorite parts of the entire trip, everybody in this family is in Bears jerseys. 
And the dad says, wow, look at Justin Fields' release. It's really good. And this is a parenthetical from me. Justin Fields, man, he's going to be a player. He went off in the final red zone period today running with the Bears twos. But the son, who is in a Khalil Mack jersey, says, yeah, but did you see Tua? And I'm thinking to myself, yes, 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 I did see Tua. That's right. Back to it. I mentioned the opening team period. That didn't go well. Then there was a seven on seven with two straight pass breakups after a couple of completions to Hollins and Gaskin. Hollins caught a ton of balls this week, including one of my favorite balls of the day where the line provides a good wall of protection for Tua, but the coverage was good. So Tua scans, he climbs, and as he found a spot in the front of the pocket right before he kind of got into the the mess of it all, gets the ball out wide, rips it to the front pylon across the field, and Mac catches it, toe taps it, nice drive and accuracy, to be able to put that ball on the spot when you're kind of working across all the chaos and then the fantastic concentration by Mac to get the toes down as well. The other moments that went away from Tua and the offense, there was a failed exchange with he and Miles in red zone work. So that was the two lost fumbles in two days. Not great. And then an interception that Jakeem Grant had a chance to squeeze in the back line of the end zone, but it was bobbled up into the air and Jalen Johnson grabbed it and picked it off and took it back the other way. But that was pretty much it for the negatives I had in the passing game from Tua. The, the deep ball, I'm sure you read about. There was a defender over the top, and Jakeem got immediate separation in the middle of the field, but he had some space, like plenty of space in the middle of the field. And Tua throws it short, and it was underthrown for sure, but also smart to not run him into the coverage up top into a collision. But Jakeem just couldn't quite throttle that thing down, and he wound up fight, fighting the football, going to the ground, and, and the ground jarred it free. So. I'm not going to call it a horrible throw because it was ultimately dropped, but the ball could have been located better. So just better from both guys could have been better results in the play. And I want to implore you to understand this, that Jakeem has made so many good plays this camp, and that includes today. And you go back to what Coach says about four or five plays that stand out. You'll see the two bad ones, and those carry so much weight. I understand why they do. But he racked up a bunch of impressive plays today too. And Tua got flushed from the pocket on one throw where he had to throw across his body and it was pretty right on target from an awkward angle and Jakeem catches it right at the five-yard line. There's a DB in front of him. The sideline to his right and he puts on this ridiculous juke move where you can only go left because the sideline's right to your right and he makes the guy miss entirely for the touchdown. But back to the quarterback, I thought the way Tua managed both clean and messy pockets today was nice. He talked yesterday about simulating that pocket presence and he really has a feel for it, how to get to those spots where he can wind up and drive the ball down the field or when to get it out quickly for his backs to make a play. He had a quick pop pass to Mike Gasicki who reached out and stabbed it one-handed on a quick in-breaking route. And I don't think anybody was going to catch him. I put it in the books at 70-yard touchdown run right down the middle because he caught that thing. The safety kind of misplayed it and he goes right past him. After the failed exchange with Gaskin, Tua found Foster for a touchdown, so a nice bounce back there. Earlier in the red zone period, he threw a strike to Mike Gasicki and it looks like it's going to be a 20-yard touchdown right over the top of the DB on a ball to the corner. But the DB puts his hands between Mike's and separates the hands for the pass breakup. People celebrated a touchdown, and then Bears fans celebrated afterwards because it was ruled incomplete. I thought one of the best throws of the day was a strike to Shaheen under pressure. The DB is right on the, the back hip, the, the back of Adam Shaheen, on a ball right to the goalpost. But it, once again, he's made this throw a few times this week. It was perfectly located right before the goalpost, right before the end line. Touchdown, oohs and ahs from the crowd from 15 yards out on that score. So the ball continues to get spread around. thought Shaheen and Gasicki had big days at the tight end position. And the way they complement each other, I thought that showed out there today a lot. And some of these bigger body receivers are catching a ton of touchdowns in red zone and goal line work. So hopefully that continues in addition to the speed merchants you have both at the running back position and at the wide receiver spot. 
spot. On to the defense. Didn't watch them as closely today as the offense, but I started off watching one-on-ones simultaneously with that period with our receivers going against their DBs and their receivers going against our DBs. And man, it was all aqua in that period. Xavier Howard runs a rep and the quarterback doesn't even throw the football. Like no separation, just call it good, call it a rep, come back to the line, let's do it over again. I didn't watch a ton of X today because you know what you're getting with him. But the times I did, and this was consistent and the same with Byron Jones, he had a tremendous rep on Daz Newsome where the rookie just never left Byron's side. Back to X real quick. There was a deep ball that had where X was under it and completely ran the route for the receiver. Like it looked like 25 and white was the receiver and the ball comes down looking like a surefire interception, but the receiver to his credit mugs X and gets flagged for offensive pass interference. I thought Noah Igbenogany had a terrific day today. He was playing physical and aggressive and challenging everything. And that's a nice trait for him to pair with the athletic ability we know he has. And there was a rep in the one-on-one period where the receiver tried a secondary move after Noah was plastered to him and he slipped trying to make that move and the ball sails high. Just say, that's the kind of rep you love from a cornerback. The receiver goes down. He's right there on top of it. Good rep. He had another one in the team period in the red zone up against Justin Fields where he play action boot the other way. I didn't see the receiver on the play, but Noah had to stay disciplined to the run fake and then kind of peel back to the passing game. And he stayed stuck to his man and the the pocket moved. So there was like four or five seconds and he ran that route with him the whole way to the back pile onto the corner and the ball flew overhead, nowhere to go with it. He was dapped up by the coaching staff afterwards for that one. Nick Needham took his reps in the one-on-one period as well, shutting things down. Also had a nice pass break up in the team period. And at one point I watched an offensive rep and then peeked my eyes up to the defensive field with the binoculars. I see the ball go over the middle of the field, and there's 22 to drive on it for a pass breakup. In red zone, similar, but not exactly to his pick yesterday, where he drives on a pass over the middle of the field, and Andy Dalton throws it right to that spot, gets hands on it. I thought maybe he was thinking about going for 100 yards back the other way because he normally catches that pass. Didn't get this one, but his strong camp continued today. Justin Coleman had some more good today as well. He talked after practice about his aggressive style, saying he likes to get his hands on guys, and he thinks that suits his game well inside in the slot. And that was nice to hear because every day I know how aggressive, but also savvy he is with the hands and the way he reroutes guys. Clayton Fedulum had a nice PBU in the one-on-one period today. He went way up high to get that. And speaking of one-on-ones, Watching Jerome Baker and Duke Riley work in these drills is impressive, man. Like, if the receivers on DBs favors the offense, then the same is doubly true of running backs on linebackers, but neither was making it look that way. Jerome Baker's entire day was that way. He was plugging up the run game, closing on short passes, carrying routes downfield, passing off, applying pressure up the middle off the edge. He was everywhere. Then with Duke... The loose hips and fluid movement skills were fun to watch in the one-on-one periods. He then carried that over into the team period when he skied for a pass breakup, playing underneath his man. The ball tipped up, and Jamal Perry almost pulled it down, and he had a good day in his own right. But Riley's speed pops on tape daily, on practice field daily. Let's get back to the front because... Stop me if you've heard this before, but they were absolutely dominant. I didn't see the Bears gain a single yard on the ground in the opening period. They completed one ball for 20 or so yards, but that was about it. And it started off with Raekwon Davis. He had a rep where he carried a blocker and threw him into the back for a tackle in the backfield. That's the kind of camp he's had right there. Perfect example. Christian Wilkins had a filthy pass rush move with an arm over where he just slapped the guy and ran right by him to get a would-be sack 
instantly on Andy Dalton. The first team defense put the clamps down these two days. Just about every time I look up at a run play, it's stacked up in the backfield. You see number 92, number 94, number 98, and the number 70. He was almost always getting peeled off the pile on top of being a nuisance as a pass rusher. Those front four guys in the middle have been stout all camp long. And Zach Sealer mentioned to him, he made more plays. There was a fun play where he, Bernardrick McKinney, and Javon Holland, a defensive lineman, linebacker, and safety came in and combined for a TFL. Andrew Van Ginkle got in on the phone with a TFL of his own. He was in there immediately. He had some nice work against the run the last couple of days. And then last but definitely not least, Emmanuel Ogba had himself a trip to the Windy City. I had him with two more sacks today, a constant presence in that Bears backfield. We talked about the opportunities for guys to have good work against an undermanned Bears line at tackle spots with the injuries they have there, and Emmanuel took full advantage. I think he must have had four or five sacks and even more pressures in two days of practice. And with that, you know what time it is, the matchup, 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 matchup of the day. Let's take a little departure on this because I had a front row seat for those one-on-one periods between the Dolphins receivers and Bears defensive backs. And before I get into this, I want to make it perfectly clear that this is, in fact, a drill that favors the offense. As we talked about before, the more space there is to work with, whether it's three-on-three on on one side of the field, even seven-on-seven, the full field work, the more the offense has the opportunity to sell fakes and create separation, it benefits them. Now, having said that, having said that, having said The suddenness of Jalen Waddell and Jakeem Grant is never more evident than on these drills, on these periods. And you probably saw the one clip where Jalen sold the route outside and then went back upfield inside and snapped that thing off in front of Eddie Jackson, the bear safety, and put him in the absolute spin cycle where he turns all the way around. That was pretty common throughout the drill and quite frankly common throughout training camp so far. On one deep route, Jalen got by the man so fast that the only option was to grab the jersey, and it was like the little giants when the kid grabs on and just kind of pulls that whole thing back. Like, the flag came out immediately. We all saw what happened. As for the rest of Jalen's day, the story is the same. I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, he's catching a ton of passes. He's making guys miss, chewing up yards, scoring touchdowns. Daniel Jeremiah said, don't take victory or defeat on guys from training camp, and I won't, but he's been super impressive. He caught... One ball from Tua today that I thought really showed their connection and chemistry on a deep out route where the corner tries to undercut the route, but Tua drove on it and it went right past the outstretched arm of the defensive back who gambled. And then Jalen shows the concentration to haul that thing in, hit the brakes before going out of bounds, and then turns it up to make him pay for that big gamble. Big camp so far for Waddle. And then Jakeem stacked a defensive back. And I love the way he sold this takeoff route slash comeback where he got on top of him, stacked him, and looked back like he was going to look for the deep ball over the shoulder. And the the DB did the exact same thing. And once Jakeem saw that, slammed on the brakes, came back down the stem, and created an easy five, six, seven, maybe even eight yards of separation. Jakeem, these little short stutter moves he does right at the line puts guys in immediate conflict. You can see the way they panic immediately when he does this. Such a treat to watch him out there. So those two guys. Also, Jakeem put a great block on a guy and a quick pass to Waddle out in space. I love seeing that. I also wanted to add Solomon Kinley on Akeem Hicks for the matchup of the day. It was a great battle all day long when Akeem matched up with the big fish. And I thought Solomon really handled his business, not just on Akeem, but all day long, which takes us in to our top performers, and Solomon Kinley is first. Good job in the running game. He talked about getting better with his hand placement, and the pass protection could come along as well, but in the running game, he was getting the job done. Malcolm Brown scored a billion touchdowns, had some nice nifty runs, ran through contact. Big day for him. Javon Holland, more ball production, more production against the running game. He's been everywhere, looks sensational. Tua Tungavailoa, I thought today was a top performer as well with the accuracy, the throws into the end zone, the work against pressure, the ability to scan the field under 
non-duress and make good decisions that way as well. I thought he got better today. Adam Shaheen had a big day catching balls for touchdowns along the back part of the end zone. Some good blocks as well in the running game. Jakeem Grant, even though we talked about the drops, he had a bunch of just routes where he created so much separation. You have to put him in there. Noah Igbenogany, very competitive day today, cutting things down. I mentioned not watching Xavier Howard for a whole lot, but when I did, he was dominant. So he gets in the list today for top performers. Raekwon Davis just was putting pressure on the running game, on the quarterback, throwing blockers in the running backs. He gets in the list. Mike Gesicki scored a couple of touchdowns, had a bunch of catches as well, so he looks back to his old ways. Jerome Baker all over the field, pass, blitz, coverage, whatever you want, he was doing it. Emmanuel Ogba, a billion pressures and sacks, and Andrew Van Ginkle, some good work in the run game. So all things told, we have a game coming up on Saturday. I thought offensive line showed great growth from day one to day two. Wasn't great day one, got a lot better on day two. The interception and fumble work from the quarterbacks in exchange with the receivers and all that stuff, that can get better as well. Second team defense had a rough go against Justin Fields in a few periods. We'll see how that kind of shakes out in the game on Saturday. But all things told, Dolphins receivers I thought looked good. Running backs looked good. Offensive line showed improvement on day two. Defensive line was dominant. And just defense in general was the name of the game. Really for for both clubs for large portions, but I thought Miami's offense was better in general throughout the course of the two practices. All right, that is going to be my time for the training camp coverage practices here from Chicago. We're going to have a game recap for you guys on Saturday night, and then we'll get right back to it next week again with the Atlanta Falcons. Probably have another mailbag podcast coming up as well, so keep an eye out for that as we continue to bridge the gap here between all these fun practices and the coverage of Miami Dolphins training camp 2021. In the meantime, that will be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Put a question in there for us. We'll answer it on the pod. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.